400 million dollar valuation now with 25 percent of the company i'm like looking at luxury submarines at the time we had 13 million installs of our dj software i've got to go home to my loving wife and daughters and, and explain to everybody how yeah that bridge didn't come in and i had to put the last of the payroll on our personal amex card i'm happy to have on the show today joseph vangiri he's the ceo of digitracks.ai they amplify your creativity and you had a 10 million dollar bridge that you're about to get and then the market crashed well yeah this is okay so let me set the table for you so i've got a company we were the arguably the first dj software to market and i launched that company it was called Visiosonic pc dj and We'll go in the Wayback Machine, so it's 2000, March, a group flies in from Korea called Power Ventures, and I've got Lehman Brothers in New York. Lehman Brothers. <laughs> Most of the people on the podcast don't even know who they were. So the Lehman Brothers was a big bank in New York, huge. So we had Lehman Brothers and Power Ventures were to put a bridge in for 10 million. We already raised 14 million. We were, were just acquiring users and of our DJ software. At the time, we had 13 million uh, active, 3 million active, 13 million installs of our DJ software. It was before broadband. So this is all dial-up data too. So like it was probably even more people using it. We had enhanced CDs going. We were doing so many cutting edge things in music and, you know, stems. We did a project with Halo 2 and, and a mashup mixer. We had some really cool stuff going on. And then Power Ventures and Lehman Brothers stand up and the fellas flew in from Korea just to give me the bad news that they weren't going to put the bridge in for 10 million. Like when the involuntary muscles in your back start to shake because you don't really know what to do and you don't smoke cigarettes, but you desperately want one at that point in time. <laughs> so that's where I was. Like the day before we're talking about Lehman Brothers, it's going to be like this for, you have to go back to 97 and dot-com valuations, but it was like $400 million valuation. Now with 25% of the company, I'm like, I'm looking at luxury submarines. Next, I've got to go home to my loving wife and daughters and, and explain to everybody how, yeah, that bridge didn't come in and I had to put the last of the payroll on our personal Amex card and things are going to get rough on our personal credit. <laughs> and I'll tell you about for, forging yourself in the crucible of adversity. And it, it's something amazing that goes on Oh, I mean, you go through all of the states of denial and you go through almost everything you can think of in psychology is happening, right? But at the, you're coming through the other end. And then if you look at it, now I've come to learn, it's like a really stoic viewpoint to just take the problem and say, okay, the, the problem's the way. Like, it, that's my out. That's, that, the, the only way th in is through. And I have to do that. And we stuck to our guns and we went from this. 87 employees and I asked everybody not to steal stuff on the way out and whoever shows up on Monday, we'll figure it out. And we did. And 12 people showed up on that next Monday and we focused the company on to one single thing that we knew we could make money with and started paying back all our debtors. And it took us seven years <laughs> to turn it around. And then we sold it. And that was six years. I sold it in 2007 to Digital One Media who run PC DJ to this day. But that, that talk about, wow, adversity. And I'm happy I went through that and was able to come out the other side, a better business person, uh, a better leader. Uh, and, and, and what I've learned from that is my leadership ability is how good I can administer to everyone, to, to service everyone in the organization, to make sure everyone's 
running to their maximum ability. So they have purpose and fulfillment. And, and now after the pandemic, now I have a whole new head, right? I've been in music a long time. I played in punk rock bands when I was a kid, but I had a record label back in 1978 called Postmodernist Music. We had all these hardcore punk bands from New York, Jersey scene. And so I've been always an entrepreneur my whole life. And, and then, and then understanding from that philosophy of the go, go work, do. And then after the pandemic hit, now all of a sudden you have a whole new head. And now you're like, wait a second, there's gotta be a life work balance here. You're really like, I, the one thing that came to me through that adversity, because I've got a startup and this Digitrax AI, we originally won a contest. The next problem, won a contest to go to China. And we won, it was called InnoStars. And we presented in Atlanta and we went twice. The first trip, we hit eight cities and all, it was great. The Chinese government was wonderful, took us around, met with a lot of big companies. And we went back a second time. And then I, we struck a deal. We were going to do a deal with this one company called Aichi, which is the Netflix of China. They have one show. It's called Rap of China. And it was like their first season. And I'm like, wow, this is going to be your biggest show. And they were like, oh, really? I, I just met with them recently. It's their biggest show right now. I was like, yeah, it's rap. It's going to be your biggest show. The kids are going to go nuts. Everyone's going to fall in love with the show. So we were going to do a deal with them. And right up until February of 2020, when I got the email, no, bad fire is going around here. <laughs> and these gals, and they were in Shanghai. Our plans for China were squashed. And we were, we're, here, we're here in the States. We're here in Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee, York, UK. We have one person. And then out in Oregon. But we were faced with this new adversity, the pandemic. And um, we record music for a living. So no one was coming in the studio. <laughs> And projects we were doing, we finally figured it out. We had to figure out how to virtualize the recording studio. So I'd have people come by, pick up speakers and pieces to take to their house so we can, I was commenting about your background because we had to do that in people's houses <laughs> to keep producing. And because we record, uh, oh my gosh, must be like 10 songs a week. And we record for companies like Fender, we, the Fender Play app. We did the music in that. Yamaha, their disc clavier pianos. You see the MIDI pianos playing in places when you walk in. We did the music for that. Activision had a, a game for the, the voice, the, the, my favorite show in our house. And it was, we're all singers. And the, we got to do the music for that, which was really cool. And now with artificial intelligence and a whole new can of worms, in, it, what you learn in all these entrepreneurial studies and you take any courses and from Y Combinator to your local entrepreneur center, everyone talks about problem. What's the problem? What's the big problem you solve? And the big problem here is like the legal issue of using AI in, in music and it, oh, talk about new problem. <laughs> So when we worked on our project, we started six years ago, we don't use any music to model. We're not, a, we're not a, a large language model or a big data set model. We based everything on what's known as evolutionary algorithms for music creation, for composition, with data block analysis and composition. So we put notes on paper, but we based everything on music theory. And that was very difficult. It was six years in the making. Uh -huh to write basically algorithms for music theory to push towards this. But 
adversities in this field is first being able to explain AI to people. The, the, everything is, first of all, it's a silly term. Yeah. Everyone loves the term artificial intelligence, but it's not artificial. These are based on mathematical computations that are, it's math. So it's real as so you can get, uh, how it pieces it together. So we, we like calling it music intelligence. But how did you come up with the concept of failing to success? Because I really, it, it like, it, it got my attention. Like, where did that come from? Where, how'd you come up with the idea? I fail a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple businesses work, not work, fail, go under, blow up. So eventually you just accept it. And oh, yeah. it's part of it. And it's failing forward. And then the next one I'll learn from that and create something better. And oh, yeah. Hey, you're, you went through this completely. Oh, yeah, like I you know, I mean, early failures were like karaoke was. I'm a lot older than I look. Karaoke was came to America, 1987, and I was working for a company that was selling Pioneer laser. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. So I was helped bring it to New York and New Jersey. So I was putting it in bars and restaurants. We built up a business. I had 60, 60, 60 bars and restaurants going with karaoke, and I learned a lot from that because. If people are using your equipment and they go out in the field, they're actually technically your employees and you should be paying taxes on that. I learned that one the hard way. So that was a lesson learned in my youth. <laughs> you need to pay your employees taxes. <laughs> and, then, and then having that first brush with licensing early on was fabulous for me because I, I didn't realize, and most people don't realize, the intricacies of copyright law. Step from the actual sound you hear to the underlying notes and words on the page are all different rights. And there's a different right for a visual. If you're on your podcast and put music underneath it, that's a synchronization. That's not compulsory nor statutory. So you have to pay for that right. And that's one of the areas we really looked at with our uh, music intelligence platform, creator platform is for, for like you, I'd love to, I'll do a theme song for you. Give me some music that you like, and then I'll model it based on music theory and we'll create a theme song for your show. And I'm sure you'll be pleased with it. Sure. That's what we're, that's what we're putting together now. We're, we're trying to solve that problem. Is AI music legal? Is, is can I use AI music? Can I, is, oh, we're, we're going to define a bunch of things going out. We just put a press announcement out today in NVIDIA, uh, invited us into their inception program, which was really great for us as a fledgling company and we really bring our technology to light. I, I think we're going to launch a product in October that I think is going to delight a bunch of people. October 16, we're going to do a, a voice modeling product called Creator Voice, where you'll be able to build a voice model yourself singing like three nursery rhymes, two tongue twisters and build the voice model and then pick a song because we've recorded over 18,000 sound alike songs in the past 30 years. From the, st the studio I bought five years ago, I had this catalog of music, over 18,000 songs. So I have some of the best recordings of hit music ever. So if I have to build a model on something, I would just build it on my music, provided I have the publishers okay. And, but we're really looking forward to the upcoming year. And I'm sure there's going to be stuff that will, we're going to be dusting ourselves off. Sure. <laughs> going to hit the ground, dust off. <laughs> Back up. Okay. Keep going. But my favorite example is I made my first million when I was 23. I lost my first million when I was 25 <laughs> and now I'm making it again, but you have to make it, lose it to make more the next time. And you just keep on going through. 
Yeah, it's times through equal certainty. (laughs) If our listeners want to learn more about Digitracks, how could they do so? Yeah, digitracks.ai is our website. Then we have a product offering that our products are called Creator, and it's spelled K-R-3-8-R. K-R-3-8-R, that's our creator product. You can get there from our digitracks.ai website as well. And of course, on LinkedIn, if you're, if y'all are on LinkedIn, hook up with me. I was posting for about three years. I was posting a record every morning, a piece of vinyl. I would take out a piece of vinyl, put it on and just write what I thought about the vinyl. I really enjoy doing stuff like that. I love music and look, music's the fabric of the universe. And I want to help weave some more of it and whatever we can do to get there. And if failing is part of it, then darn it, fail we will. <laughs> thank you, Joe, for coming on the show. Make sure to check out Digitracks. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time.